Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, 3M, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 89. I am John Davis for MotorWeek, but around our table in Studio C today, we have a very, very full group. Producer, writer, and two-wheeling reporter Brian Robinson is here. (laughs) Let's hear that again, Brian. Hello. Road (laughs) test producer Ben Davis. Hello. That's not your real voice, sir, is that? Just the one you picked for today. Writer Patrick Lucas. Guys, we're reunited. It feels so good. And assistant (laughs) producer Greg Carlos. Hey there, MotorWeekers. We have everybody charged up today, and that's good because we've got a lot of road to cover. We'll have our lightning round later, and we'll talk about a question that's come in from a lot of you in our mailbag. But first, we're going to go down a list of cars that we uh, just about everybody wants to know about, does most of these. And we're going to start with the Chevrolet Corvette Stingray, Ooh. probably the single most talked about car of the year so far. Okay, who wants to start? Let me start. Ben, <laughs> it's all yours. It's gorgeous. No. It's ab- it is absolutely gorgeous. I, uh, and I hear a lot of people maybe still don't like the way it looks a lot of people have only seen it in pictures, and I right. was one of those guys. I didn't really like the way it looked in pictures. But believe me, once you see it in person, it's stunning. It'll change your life. You know, a lot of people have thrown brick bats at the the lights because they're more Camaro-like than Corvette. But Well, it's easy to sit around and criticize pictures. I mean, everybody's a critic. But when you see this car in person, that's when the true depth and the, the impact just hits you. It's such a beautiful car. Even the taillights uh, have a chiseled-out depth that... Uh, you just can't they just don't portray their beauty in pictures um but driving it was the real treat you get into this car the seats are unlike the c6 seats the seats fit perfectly uh steering wheel's a little shorter and it's right in the grasp perfect uh but what it does with a doctorate degree is produce just raw v8 sound and power and to harness all that wild energy through what seems like a completely precise manual transmission, it's unbelievable. Would you get the manual or the automatic? Or? I would get the manual for sure. And I know I'm, not a, I'm not a big manual guy in my old age, but some things you just have to stir with a manual transmission. This is definitely one of them. When you turn the wheel, what happens? Well, I had the Z51 package with the uh, optional electronic differential in the back. And... Uh, our shooting schedule was tight, so I had to pour on the power to uh, to pass through the frame before any other traffic came along. So I was hammering as much power as I could possibly put down, and it just took it and did exactly what it needed to with it to keep me straight and just laying it down. It was it, it it's a genius. Now I haven't driven it at really high speeds through corners. It's it feels very well balanced. What was your takeaway? It was just that. I mean, it's incredibly well-balanced. The car is – you hear people say that it's a, a sixth sense and an extra extra a feel. It's attached to your mind, and it definitely is. Like any Corvette you've driven before? Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, it's, it's definitely – it's hard to say. A lot of people rag on the C4, but I think that that was – World class. That was a good world class entry for its day. Yeah. Um, and this definitely, it, it's 
it's a world it's a world fighter for sure. I mean, it's it's every bit as capable as a 911S, but half the price. Greg, I mean, I agree. It's a it's a great looking car, um, but I will. I've heard it thrown around that it looks very similar to the uh, Ferrari F12, and I have to agree with that. It one hundred percent does. We, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, I think we that, recently that's did. that's terrible company to be in, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, we recently tested that uh, F12, and you know. From certain angles and a quick take, you might think you're looking at a Corvette. But like you said, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Both great-looking cars. I think it looks great. looks awesome. Uh, I think uh, the 60th year of the Corvette, is that right? Yep. Around enough. Haven't been in this business quite that long, but uh, this is definitely the first one I'd say since I've been around. Everything's right about it, especially the interior. Great now. Even the pricing on all the option packages. $4,000 to start. What's it, 2800 for the Z51, Z51 which, yeah, which almost everybody's getting. And then you got another, that. what, 1200 bucks or so for the exhaust to get the extra five horsepower. Just the amount of stuff you That's get it. with the Z51 package. Yeah. How could you not go for it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty remarkable car. We could honestly do an entire show on it. Uh, Let's we've do already, it. Yeah. <laughs> we've already done a test on it. We've already done. Um, a couple of pieces. We're going to take a couple of them to the track over the next six months or so. So stay tuned. There's going to be a whole lot more of the 2014 Chevrolet Corvette coming on Motor Week. But alas, we must move on to actually another GM product. Uh, one also that's gotten uh, good reviews uh, so far. The new Cadillac CTS third generation now no longer having to cover both the compact and midsize uh, luxury sports sedan market. It can concentrate on midsize. Comments, gentlemen, please. Well, I think with that uh, direct, more midsize approach, the price went up a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure if it's – it is nicer. I'm not sure that it's that much nicer. What do you say, man? I'd say it is that much nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the twin-turbo V6 and the V-Sport, as much horsepower as putting out – I mean, it's a direct competitor now to um, to five series BMW, Audi A6, E Class. You know, it's almost it's got as much horsepower as the uh, five series V8. It's I mean, it's very close in overall power and torque. And they're not there. I mean, there's talk about a pushrod V8 for the uh, for the V series. Yeah, the straight V yeah. instead of the V Sport. It's definitely a world class contender. Um, they built it on the A class, the ATS chassis, and they don't make any bones about it. So it's got all the lightweight attributes of that car. Yeah, I mean they were bouncing their their number, their uh, horsepower and, and weight numbers up against BMW pretty extensively at the uh, the press preview. But it's slightly and it was lighter. Impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's lighter than than its competition. They still have the Q. All that yeah, stuff. have they changed it at all, or is it still rocking on? Have they changed the Q system? Yeah. It seemed pretty. It seemed it's just like it did in the uh, ATS. Yeah, yeah I okay. think it's the same. Uh, that that I'd have to admit. I think if there's one thing that every most people seem to still have pause with, it's the Q system, which I don't mind that much. But yeah. I know you guys really don't. I've like come it. to terms with it. The more yeah. time you spend with it, uh, you know, it's like I drive. Easier I spend yeah. enough time with it then because I still <laughs> <laughs> does well, have yeah. an eight speed automatic. The the transmission's right. very nice. Yeah, it's an A in transmission too. It, it's not uh, not the Z that everyone else has. I Which, like the interior. I thought they've done brought the, the the Cadillac interior that they've been doing on the ATS and everything up up another notch. I think in, in a lot of ways it, it's it's better looking, but it also looks richer. Um, the car's balance, I think, is actually excellent. 
you know, if you put it up against a five series, which I hope we'll, we'll get a chance to do at some point, it probably still still won't beat it. But it, but like the ATS, it's playing in the same ballpark. Uh, well, uh, in my opinion, as much as BMW seems to be losing ground and losing touch of what a driver's a true ultimate mm. driving experience should be, I think GM and in particular Chevrolet, Chevrolet and Cadillac are gaining as much ground as BMW is losing. So, I think it's I think it's a better car than a, a five series. Wow. That's Old. a big statement. Uh, it's it's got how a more. Much, how much lighter was it than a five series? I can't remember. It's, it's a couple hundred pounds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's significant. It's, it's significant. It's, I think the, the the base five series comes with nav and some things that you have to add to the CTS. So there is an equipment differential. But if you get them, you know, equipped similar, it's still a little lighter. Yeah, horsepower to weight ratio is yeah. in the Cadillac's favor yeah. for sure. So they did a nice job. All right. A car that, uh, I don't know about you guys, and we'll find out right quick, that I've fallen in love with is the uh, new generation Porsche Cayman S. Uh, I, you know, Corvette, fabulous car. Porsche Cayman S, now to me, if you're going to buy a Porsche, that's the one to get. You know, I no longer feel like a 911 is a prerequisite. Comments? Yeah, it's kind of, since it came came out, it's kind of been tiptoe on that line where, uh, with the 911 getting bigger, more GT-ish, the Cayman more of the stripped-down uh, driver's car per se, and you know I think it's finally pretty much uh, you know past the 911 in that regards. I mean, it still has a lot of luxury features, and you still get carried oh, yeah. away with the price. You can you know by far, but uh, it's it's the Boxster with a hard roof. I'm all, I'm all I'm all about it. I loved it. I thought it was amazing to drive. I like the steering wheel. It was like no nonsense. There's mm-hmm. not like a single button on it. It's just like a <laughs> two or three spoke. I can't remember what it is. But uh, I was just I was blown away by how fun it was. I always thought it was like you know, it's not a real Porsche. It's just you know it's a bo- yeah like Brian said it's a boxer with a hard top. It used to be which, that which way. had a horrible yeah. reputation at least yeah. you know up in, in my early head ones, it did. Yeah. I was the only reason I was I was shocked at the price. I didn't know it was that expensive. It is expensive. Yeah. Well, it's well, it's like every Porsche. It starts pretty reasonable, but then every option you know, rocket, is yeah. like two grand. Yeah, how we had yeah. it is the way I would want it, and that was what that was eighty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to try the PDK though. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I love driving a manual, but I would have liked to have tried this one with the PDK because we had the uh, the Boxster last year. Also had the manual, um, and the, I feel like I was a little harsh on the Boxster last year when we talked about it podcasts ago. Um, but I got in this thing, and it was just one of those cars where you get in and just start driving without really a destination. It's just you enjoy it. You put <laughs> the windows down. You don't, sure. I don't listen to any music, and I was just driving for, you know, I, I just didn't want to stop driving the car. And I think that's what makes it such a bare-bones driver's car. The the base, what, the base um, came in is about the same price as a base Corvette. The S is an, another ten grand, I think, yeah, so it's around sixty five. The interesting thing is we, we talk about how great the Corvette is, and if you look at a $54,000 Corvette and a $54,000 Cayman, the Corvette, I think, pretty much wins hands down. You really have to add the, a lot to the Cayman, including going up to the S package to where yeah. you get a car that, that you feel really good about. But, boy, do you feel good about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a car that actually unintentionally has kicked up a lot of controversy, a vehicle, I should say. Uh, the new Jeep uh, Cherokee, uh, a little slow in getting uh, the production going, uh, but they've finally done that. Greg, you've had the most experience in the Cherokee. What's it like to actually drive? It's very, very nice to drive. 
And Does it drive like an it, Alfa Romeo? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it's but it, it's based on one. You know, it, it it fits in that small CUV class now. Uh, on the road, it, it's it's great, extremely comfortable. It's quiet, and it, we were in uh, Southern California, and it really handled those roads well. I didn't expect it to. An off-road, I, again, just I was surprised with the, the Trailhawk and you have the rear locker. It was extremely capable, and they were putting us through some pretty severe off-road you know, conditions. And that's the rub. The purists are saying, hey, look, it's based on a, a, a Dodge Dart slash Alfa Romeo chassis. It, it was a front-wheel drive chassis. The old one was, of course, rear drive. You know, this is not as capable, blah, blah, blah. You came back with a different impression. No, it's extremely capable. It's every bit of Jeep. Um, I mean, they wouldn't give it that trail rating if it wasn't. Um, yeah, but another thing is is it looks better in person. So, again, don't judge it when you look at it because, honestly, the pictures don't do it justice. I'm not saying it's a great-looking vehicle. I don't, mm-hmm. think it's ne- I don't think it's nearly as good-looking as a CX-5. But it's it's something you got to look at and at least drive it. Like don't bash it until you've at least driven it or talk to somebody close to you who has driven it. Cause what was the deal with the nine speed transmission? Was it just constantly shifting all the time? It actually what? wasn't. But there were a few people also in the group who claimed that some of the models, because these were pre-production models, that the transmission mapping was a little bit different. I mean, I drove pretty much one, and then got into the off-road one and. It wasn't much different, but I thought it was – I expected it to be shifting all the time through the hills, but it honestly held gears extremely well. That um, transmission is a is a Fiat transmission. Yeah, but it is – it's an extremely complex transmission, and it would, uh, would get confused every once in a while. But for the most part, I think it exceeded my expectations. Any other comments? You guys have been exposed to all the stats and the pictures and everything else? Other than it does, uh, like Greg said, it does look a lot better in person. Looks, uh, there, I don't think there's a whole lot of a. It, it appears aggressive for the segment. I mean, there's definitely. I don't think anything else in the segment that looks that it's aggressive in Trailhawk. I mean, a lot of people go back well, and say, "Well, you know, I'd well, go all out." So I would definitely look. I, I only look at the Trailhawk. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jeep's defense about we already have a four door Wrangler. Why do we need another one? Is is a good reason for them to oh, have made it different? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen nothing but universal hatred on the internet. <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah, seriously, that um, means it's true. Hatred right? from people who haven't driven it. Of more, yeah, more than likely. So I, I'm curious to see how it actually sells with people who are actually going to buy it. Yeah, I'm thinking about. I'm it. sure it'll sell. I think it'll sell tremendously very well. well. Most of the people spreading all that stuff are not. People that are going to buy the thing That's anyway. Thirteen-year-old kids. <laughs> I'd take it over a Rav Four or a CRV easily. I mean, it's not uh, even a question. Let's move on now to our lightning round. Uh, well, we're giving ourselves uh, two minutes uh, to talk uh, about a subject that's uh, near and dear to our hearts. And at the end of that two minutes, you'll hear the bell. Uh, speaking of the Jeep Grand Cherokee, it seems like the yeah, it, got, it was a rough start to production. We've talked about the nine-speed transmission, maybe having some. Mm-hmm problems there uh, initially what we're wondering what i'm wondering a lot of people are wondering is in nine speeds and we know that ford and gm are working on uh 10 speed transmission how far are we going with this and you know a lot of people don't even understand what it's for who would like to chime in on that fuel economy fuel economy (laughs) fuel economy you want high gears and you want ultra low ones for getting off the line and and you I'm want to get really out of that as quick I'm as possible. I'm not sure why you need 50 of them in between those two, but apparently we do. The, uh, 
Yeah, uh, baby steps. You gotta. <laughs> if you're gonna have an a, a eighth or ninth gear, you gotta progressively get there. You can't know. sharply go. From I drive a, everything like a three speed. Rip through first and second, and put it in fifth, and then yeah. just tool. All right, but the average human being, uh, which none of us around this table are. Yeah, when you hit the accelerator, you want it to be smooth, and you want to get away pretty quick. So you need a you know a, a good solid first gear that'll get you going. But of course, the longer you stay in that, the more gas you use. So in order to get these new fuel economy stats that the government's forcing everybody, you got to get out of first and preferably second pretty quick. It's all about that big number. Yeah. I mean, even the Corvette with the seven-speed manual, you put that in seventh gear and put the eco mode on. They're so saying 30 miles of a gallon. Yeah, and then the uh, – well, the Cherokee has four overdrive gears, which is just ridiculous <laughs> at that point. Which is more complex, a CVT or a nine-speed manu- or nine-speed automatic? Oh, the nine-speed automatic, I think, without question, is more complex. Uh, the CVTs, of course, you've got the other problem of their, of their, of their whining. Or a yeah. chain. Or too, or chain. Well, that's why so many manufacturers are sticking with the CVTs, and, and I – kind of thought they were going to go out of favor here with all these new geared transmissions but there's a lot of experts broken around saying that that's basically all we're going to have that we'll have these nine speeds but your four five six speeds will go away in favor of a cvt and it will take eight nine and ten gears to make something superior to or a CVT. you get like the toyotas and others have had with the cvts with simulated gears right mm-hmm. uh, you know. well you know i've got that in my mini uh and and i must say uh, simulated gears it's a one-trick pony after you do it a couple times it's, like, it's definitely simulated yeah <laughs> yeah all right, let's uh, let's call an end to that uh, brilliant discussion and move on to uh, instead of a regular question from a a viewer this week in our mailbag, we decided to uh, keep one of the t-shirts for ourselves. We lost but the mailbag. <laughs> if you do send in a question that we use here on a podcast, you will get a Motor Week t-shirt. And uh, one size fits all, but they're very nice ones. But here's one that we have gotten a lot of recently, and it plays back to what we've been talking about, about the Cherokee. You know, it used to be every all off-road vehicles and anything for bad weather it was four-wheel drive. And then it went to all-wheel drive because, well, maybe you didn't have low range like a traditional four-wheel drive system has. Nowadays, however, what or is there a definable difference between what manufacturers call a four-wheel drive system and all-wheel drive? What do you think? They've gotten pretty bad with it, but I always go with it. If it's, if it's biased to front-wheel drive, that's an all-wheel drive. If it's rear-wheel drive, to me, then that's four-wheel drive. But I don't know. The lines are blurring all the time. But actually, that's probably the clearest uh, delineation I've heard because mm-hmm. nowadays so many of your uh, front-wheel drive systems that we would call all-wheel drive are being called four-wheel drive right. because maybe they've got a momentary lock or something like that to them. Even those lines are being, being blurred. I mean, even an all-wheel drive, you can um, – they have lockable rears, I've seen sometimes, mm-hmm. lockable center diffs. Well, but, this Jeep's got a, a uh, lockable rear differential. Yeah. I've, I've come to take it as in a four-wheel drive, you can select full-time two-wheel drive. But even more than that, maybe you'll have a low range and a high range that you – well, I don't know if you can find that in an all-wheel drive. There's there's a couple all-wheel drive systems out there that are called all-wheel drive that offer and a, a low range. Yeah, or in a hill descent, you know, it kind yeah. of helps out as well. Well, I wonder if there's a difference at all anymore. Than I, I really think what you said, Brian, was probably the clearest mm. thing. That it, yeah. you know, the That's front-wheel crazy. drive That's systems usual. are pretty much all all-wheel drive now, and if it's still got a rear-drive system. 
it's four-wheel drive. However, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Dodge Durango, and I think they call their system an all-wheel drive system, and I think it's got a, either a single speed or a double speed. So I'm not sure. I think Ben may be right. Maybe it's just too oh. close to call. Too difficult. Because uh, there are all-wheel drive systems that can defer 100% to one wheel or two, uh, one two wheel drive or the other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like especially the performance ones, like Quattro and stuff, they can send all that power to the rear. So mm-hmm. what? Maybe so what, an all wheel drive will do it by itself, where a four wheel drive, you have to make it. You have to push a button or flip a lever to make it two wheel drive or four wheel drive. Where an all wheel drive. Well, no. Yeah. Uh, Chevrolet like had a fully automatic yeah. system forever. Auto track. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. Um, maybe we ought to ask this question differently if we're trying to really help consumers. If they're faced with somebody that says we've got all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, what questions should they ask? Hmm. I would say, can you – is it good – I mean, can I run around in in all-wheel drive on dry pavement, maybe, if there's some kind of switch? I don't know. Can you think? (laughs) Does it have to do with Uh, asking about whether it's got some kind of locking feature? Maybe maybe it would be at its best – are you talking about 80% rear, 20% front, or at best, are you talking about 100% rear or 100% front? Or 50-50 split at the, at the, at the worst conditions <clears throat> or right. something. I think I hate to say it, but I think yeah. most people would probably be good with a front-biased all-wheel drive. It's not fun. Oh, clear. But Clearly. I mean, so that's all you really need to do. They have to ask, you know, do I have to be aware of my driving conditions <laughs> or can I just let the car do everything? Which all right. Be- I have, let me take it one step further. If somebody actually thinks they're going to go off pavement, and we all know that that usually just means gra- a gravel road. Mm-hmm. But say somebody's got a cabin somewhere and it's a little muddy getting to it. Is there some feature on these systems they should make sure they've got? I guess you're always looking for uh, what you can lock. Yeah, uh, the locking, more you can lock, the better off you are. Yeah, locking gifts are where it's at. For sure. I would say but, maybe also ought to be better tires, yeah. too. Well, that's the, a whole other discussion. Yeah, the all wheel, the all weather tires most of these systems come with are not very good in bad weather. Certainly so, a far cry from all yeah. terrains, that's for sure. Okay, thank you very much, and I hope that kind of helps somebody. Uh, didn't confuse. Folks if it helps you, let us the, know, and we'll send you uh, a T-shirt. Yeah. That's right. If it helps you at all, please <laughs> if you're tell stuck, us. Then we won't hear from you. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's it. That brings uh, we've we've covered the agenda of our Motor Week podcast number eighty nine, and I want to thank everybody that's in the studio with me: Brian Robinson, Ben Davis. Patrick Lucas, I get all choked up, Mm. Greg Carlos, and thank you very much for tuning in uh, this afternoon or this morning or evening whenever you're able to catch our podcast. Audio engineer Jim Bigwood is the gentleman that's responsible for making us come through loud and clear. Bob Mixter is the podcast creator, and Patrick Lucas sitting here at our table is our podcast producer this week, and uh, he didn't even have to ring the bell. Till next time, thanks very much for listening. We hope you catch Motor Week on all your local public TV stations as well as the Velocity Cable Channel. Until next time, thanks from all of us at Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, 3M, and by Die Hard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.